This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. You guys, this is it. It's the end of season six of the Adoptive Mom Podcast. So welcome. I am so excited to have you here. And if you're brand new, definitely spend some time catching up on episodes you've missed over the short break ahead. You can find me on Facebook at Alex Fitton and the Adoptive Mom Podcast and on Instagram at the Adoptive Mom. Like I said, this is episode 15 of season six, episode 93 overall. We will be crossing that 100 episode threshold in the next season. And you guys know that I am already prepping for it and recording with with amazing guests. I always do a big finale episode with a super special guest, and this season is no exception. Y'all, are you ready to hear from the Corey Robertson? I sure am. Corey Robertson is a New York Times bestseller, author, and star of A&E's Duck Dynasty. She works in the family business of Duck Commander, is co-owner and Tread Lively Productions, and is a writer and speaker passionate about motherhood, adoption, and empowering families around the world. Corey loves doing life with her husband, Willie, and their six kids and two grandbabies in their hometown of West Monroe, Louisiana. Writing credits include The Duck Commander Family, How Faith Family and Ducks Built a Dynasty, Duck Commander Devotions for Kids, and Strong and Kind, Raising Kids of Character. Before we jump into my episode with Corey, I want to remind you of ways that you can stay connected with the podcast and with me while we take our normal between seasons break over the summer. First, let's make sure that you are subscribed to my email list. I don't clog up your email feed, but I do send a weekly note every Monday. You can join Alex Mail at theadoptivemompodcast.com slash community. And that exact link is also where you can grab info on the Facebook group and grab a link to join the show on Patreon. That is a super awesome platform that allows me to give you premium bonus content like early episodes, bonus interviews with every single guest, including Miss Corey Robertson, and lots more in return for your small monthly donation support of the show. In addition to social media, those are the ways that you can best stay connected with me and all things AMP over the next few weeks. And with all of that said, and without further ado, let's go chat with Corey. All right, everyone, welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. And joining me today is someone that you guys might have heard of. Uh, she has a little tiny, not well-known show called Duck Dynasty. Uh, welcome to the show, Corey Robertson. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am super excited to be able to chat with you. And, you know, like I said, I, I feel like most people are going to know exactly who you are. But just in case anyone, you know, like came out of witness protection to listen to this episode or something. Can you just take a minute and introduce us to yourself and your family? 
sure. It is possible that you don't know, but yes, I feel like people really, I mean, besides our show, which, you know, a lot of people watched and people really got to know our family, but also Instagram and social media, yeah. we kind of put lives out there, there as well. So people follow along. It's really fun. They like ask me about my grandbabies and all that all the time. So, um, yes, yeah, so I am the wife of Willie Robertson. Um, we had a show called Duck Dynasty. We have a family business called Duck Commander. And we have six children um, and two grandbabies. Three, six children, three, a daughter, daughter-in-law and two son-in-laws and two little grandbabies. Yes. Yeah. And so like you I imagine that your family reunions or just get-togethers just with your immediate family are massive, right? Yes, it actually is. Yeah, we do. So we are all pretty much right here. Like we all kind of live on the same property. It's all on the same street, which we love because there's always like a cousin to play with or, you know, especially with the kids were younger. It was like, hey, go outside, go find a cousin to to play with, you know, (laughs) that's really nice. And um, so just our normal, just, like Sunday lunch is big, you know, and then generally about once a month, we'll have like family birthdays. We just kind of bring you celebrate everyone in the birth month of April, you know, have a birthday and that's like 50 people. Yeah. That's kind of like a normal occasion. Yeah. That's like a catering order, like just for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good thing is like everyone contributes, you know, you don't have to cook for everyone. Everyone like just pitches in and brings something and you know, it all works. That's my favorite kind of meal. You know, I, I said what, before we started recording, I'm from Louisiana too. So in the South, I'm very accustomed to like potluck style dinners. Uh-huh. And when I've lived anywhere North, that's not normal. And so I'm like, everyone <laughs> just brings something. They're like, like from their house. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I was actually speaking, I think it was Washington state. And I said something about, you know, how we'll do that. And everyone else, someone will be like, okay, who's bringing the sides? And they were like, the sides, what's the sides? And I was like, the sides like the side dishes like and they're like oh (laughs) I get it the accent there's a little bit of an accent I'm sure a little bit I love it um okay so one thing you know when I when when we started when your show started this was before I had children but what really made me resonate with your family is that you guys were an adoptive family and that was always my dream and then when we you know our dream me and my husband and then when we actually did adopt it was so cool to be able to see representations of our family in, in pop culture and, you know, in the media, because you just don't see that very much. So I'm so excited to chat with you about your adoption stories. And I know you have like three separate adoption stories, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's so, uh, that's really neat to hear because, you know, we adopted well before Duck Dynasty and had really, it wasn't like a platform or anything like that, you know, yeah. it's just our family. And so whenever the show came out, it, it did become a, you know, a topic of conversation and questioning and we were like, oh, yeah, I guess it does look different. You know, not everybody does do this. And it just was one of those things that I hadn't really thought much about that that was going to be a thing. And then when the show right. came out, I get a lot of questions. And it did. It opened up doors for me to speak about adoption, which was really fun. And I got to travel around and speak a lot about adoption and and um, and still do, a, you know, advocate for, for kids in the foster care system and, and all that, which was has been a really great blessing. That yeah. I didn't realize the show would have. Yeah, it's really cool. And, you know, I think that when you're in it, when you're in an adoptive family, um, like both of us are, it just it's your normal. So you don't think about right. it. So when you get the weird looks or the the questions like 
-hmm. we have two that are almost the same age. And so people doing the mental math of like how that's possible. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right, right, right. We're an adoptive family. Like it just doesn't right. occur to me. To <laughs> yes. Yes. Will and Bella were 10 months apart, which was crazy. And you, you understand what that feels like. Yes. Yeah. Accidental it's little, twins. It's a little crazy. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Um, and then Will's biracial. So people obviously, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily look like Willie or I, although he acts a lot like Willie. So, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, so we, um, we adopted um, Will for the first time when he was five weeks old. We adopted for the first time when Will was five weeks old. And this was, some, it was something that we had just always wanted to do. And um, someone spoke to me about adoption my senior year in high school it was our, I went to a Christian school and so our Bible teacher adopted that year and I just remember him talking about it you know all year just and I remember the kid was just so cute his little five-year-old just adorable little boy and I just kind of I fell in love with it and I, I don't know you know what a part of it attached itself to my heart but I was like I'm doing this someday and I don't know how or why or if it's going to be a baby or an older child or what but this is something that I want to do and um, also, I grew up in a family that was very, um, we had people living with us our whole life. Like, literally, yeah. we had an extra bedroom that was always full. And um, sometimes it was single moms with kids. So I was kind of like a little second mom to some little kids that lived with us um, for several years, um, two different single moms and, and their children. Um, you know, sometimes it was a teenager who kind of was having tough on life, but they, my parents never really went through kind of like the normal foster care system. It was kind of just always through our church and they kind of just had an open door policy. So always had someone living there. And then um, Willie's home was very similar in that, well, very different in that we grew up actually, you know, our faith was the same, but um, it looked a little different. I don't think any other home looks like Bill and Kay, the Robertson home necessarily. <laughs> Um, not everyone has a crazy uncle style living, sleeping on the couch all the time, but, um, <laughs> but so his house, while, you know, there was a lot of differences, but a lot the same in that their house was always open. There was always somebody who kind of like needed a little help that that would just be staying down there with them or whatever. So I think we, um, we were both afforded a real legacy of that yeah. type of, um, of lifestyle and a way of life. And so whenever, you know, my eyes were kind of more open to adoption, my senior in high school, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that someday. And um, when Willie and I started dating, he said the same. He, he never, you know, was hesitant. I know a lot of times, you know, it's one or the other, maybe a little bit more hesitant, like, I don't know, I'm unsure or whatever. But for us, both of us were just kind of like, yes, it's going to happen someday. God will kind of lead it and we'll, we'll see what happens. So cool. I mean, I, I love that you guys both had that growing up, that that kind of influence to look to. And I also love uh, our story is very similar in that you talked about it when you were dating. I did that with my husband, which would have freaked so many guys out. But he was like, nope, I'm on board. And so we always knew that that was going to be our plan, which is mm -hmm. just so cool. So I know yeah. you have you had two biological children first. Mm -hmm. um, so how did your adoption of your first child come about? Yeah, so I had John Luke and Sadie, and you know how we all have the grand plan for our life, and I think, <laughs> I thought, I'm going to have four children, and we'll have three biological, then we'll adopt the last, you know, that, that's how it's all going to work, you know, yeah. and then um, I had John Luke and Sadie, and, um, and got pregnant with them really easily, and just, you know, didn't have any problems, and then decided, okay, I'll have our third, and just didn't get pregnant, and, you know, just took a little while, and 
was like, huh, well, God, maybe you, you do have a different plan. And then um, we found out about Will through a mutual friend um, and just were like, this is it. We actually met with the, the guy who was running kind of the home and where he was. He was with the foster family and he showed us a, a picture of him and we were like, when can we like he's ours like he you know it just felt like oh my goodness yes he's ours so um it was just a whirlwind and a miracle and he felt like this was December of 2001 and I mean it just felt like the greatest Christmas gift we could ever have been given we just had this beautiful little baby and uh, I just remember being so excited and came home um like I said, we found out about him, did home studies, everything just happened really quickly. And um, we came home and I remember taking him to school for the first time to show him off to Jolly and Sadie. Sadie was like in preschool. And um, the teacher said, I'm going to take him home with me. And Sadie said, no, you can't take him home with you. He's ours, but you can go to Baton Rouge and get one. Like, that's how this works. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, because Charles might have just happened so fast. You're like, yeah. You can go get one too. This is ours, but go, yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, we we adopted him in December and then found out I was pregnant with Bella in January. So that was a surprise, but we just felt like it was just such confirmation that he was ours and meant to be ours. I feel like God just closed my womb for that time period until Will came into our family and into our life. And then he was like, okay. Now, now you can go on with your plans, you know, Yeah. and um, had Bella 10 months later. So did they have kind of like a twin bond? Um, do they act like twins? Yeah, we called them Destructo 1 and Destructo 2. They were like, <laughs> I would say like one would push the window up and the other would crawl out. Like they were just into everything. They were everywhere. They would just, they could destroy a room like yeah. and you can, yeah, you can imagine. So um, they really did, and they are just been sweet, really sweet friends. We were talking about the other day how um, so Rebecca is our our next. Well, I'll tell her story a little bit too. But um, Rebecca came into our life when she was sixteen. But um, Rebecca and I were reminiscing about you know when the kids were younger and all this, and she was saying how John Lincoln Sadie fought a lot. Like they they were just like whenever she remembers she remembers them. Right. But well. They were kind of a team. They were a team against everyone else, maybe, but they were a team together. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I do love that. Yeah, mine, I call them frenemies. So they do fight, but then they're also best friends. And it yeah. works out not for my benefit, but it seems like it works out nicely for them. For theirs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And John Lincoln and Sadie were, the, I mean, they were, they went through that like fighting stage and then they loved each other and, and still do. But yeah. Yeah. So, Okay. A couple of things. One, did Will have any trouble when he was, you know, he came to you, you said when he was uh, five months, is that what you said? Uh-huh. Five weeks. Five weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, one of ours, you know, he was born addicted and I was also pregnant when we got him. And so I didn't know if maybe you guys went through any of those struggles that so many of my listeners do where they get a baby who just has a little bit of a rough start. Yeah, no, he um, was really healthy and was actually just a really easy baby one of our easiest is like he's a great sleeper all of that so I'm really thankful for that having another one 10 months later but um now he was a little um two-year-old terror you know how they all, they all hit that phase oh yeah but no he didn't have any any special needs like that oh I'm trying really hard to not like dislike you right now but <laughs> yeah I know I, I think know I'll recover 
<laughs> um, and you guys did another thing I love is that you gave him a legacy name. And I love seeing adoptive families do that with their kids. It's really cool. Uh, so, yeah, we named him Willie Alexander after Willie, of course. And Alexander is Phil's middle name. So Phil is Phil Alexander. Cool. Oh, I uh, love that. Um, okay, so yeah, take us to your next adoption um, with Rebecca. I know that that one was a little bit different than most adoptions you hear about, right? Yes, and so Rebecca, we actually have never officially adopted her. We just call her ours, and sure. she does have a, a mom in Taiwan. Um, so she came to us at 16 as an exchange student, and you know, we really just thought we'd have her with us for a year, and it was kind of one of those, like, I'd always wanted to expose our children to, like, the world and, like, that different cultures and all this. And, you know, we had four little kids and not a lot of money. And like, okay, the, the chances of us traveling is like very slim at this point. So how about, you know, we'll bring an exchange student and we'll bring the like, world to you. That's, right. That's what I thought. And I was like, Oh, well, I'll learn Chinese. Yeah. You know, I can't even, I can't even <laughs> count. But, um, it was one of those, those dreams. There's probably those seven, one of those seven things. There's, um, we we're talking about Neogram earlier. One of those um, seven dreams, like, Oh, we'll bring the world to us. So Rebecca came, comes into our home at 16 and, um, think, let's see, Bella was two, Will was three, John Luke and Sadie were like six and seven and eight. Yeah. And, um, and it was almost like having another, you know, younger child because she couldn't speak English like at all. So we would just read books at night and she would, that's how she learned English from all the children's books. And, yeah. and, and our kids were so funny. We're so excited, of course, you know, to have a, a playmate that was 16 years old in our house. And, um, but she, at the end of that year, she just, we had just grown to love her and she grew to love us. And so we said, if you want to come back for your senior year, you're welcome to. So she went back home to Taiwan and um, was like, oh, mom said I can't. Then a few, right before senior year, we called and said, mom said I could come. We're like, oh, yeah, come on back. So still we didn't realize that she was going to be ours. We were like, okay, come on back for your senior year. And it was just somewhere in there that um, I remember, you know, saying that, we had four kids and I think it was Bella at the time. He was little, like three or four. She said, no, we have five mom. It's like, you're right. We do. And she just really became ours. She had, her dad passed away when she was 11 and um, she has a, a great mom and, and other siblings that are all over the world. One's in Australia. One's, you know, they're kind of all over the place. But um, so we just became her American parents and um, she's been with us for she's 30 now. So yeah, and has a grandbaby and she gave us our first grandbaby. And um, when she got married, it was really special. Um, Willie wore her dad's tie, one of her dad's oh. ties. And her mom and I got to sit together, you know, in the front row together. And um, she's just been a real blessing to our family. And um, like I said, she just became ours and that hasn't ever changed. She ended up staying here and going to school at LSU and we opened a clothing boutique together and um, she's since closed that down and is now a mom, but she, um, yeah, she's been just an amazing addition to our family. Yes. And I, it's really cool. You know, I really resonated with her. We're the same age. I just turned 30 as well. And so getting to like follow her on Instagram and see all of that stuff, it's been really cool just to see, I don't know, see like her life through an adopted kid's lens as it's really yeah. interesting and, and a, a neat Instagram follow. So definitely go. Oh, good. Well, she was just talking to me about foster care just the other day. I guess I probably, you know, I don't know if I should share that, but she just was just asking me questions and she's very interested in foster care and adoption as well, which is really neat to hear. Most, pretty much all of our kids have said they want to adopt someday, which is a great um, blessing for me as a mom to hear. 
Oh, I love that. Has Will said that as well? Yeah, you know, I haven't. I don't know that I've talked to him specifically. It's just kind of in family conversation. You know, they're all like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna adopt someday." They all say they want big families and all that. So that that's a good thing. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love hearing like adoptees want to grow up and adopt as well. I just always yeah. think that's super cool. Yeah. Okay. So you've got one more adoption story, and I I love that they're all separate adoption stories, and they've given your family like just all different experiences uh, to get to kind of like run the gamut of like, this is how this one went and this is how this one went. So tell us about your, your youngest. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody asked me at one time, did you think about birth order and your adoption? I was like, clearly no, because our birth order has changed so many times. Like, you know, Dominic was the oldest and he was second to oldest. Bella was the baby. Now she's the next to baby, you know, <laughs> no, didn't think about that at all. Um, but yes, yeah, so we weren't, really planning on adopting again necessarily we we but kind of always like let's leave our doors open to God's leaning and his leading and um found out about Rowdy actually speaking at an adoption fundraiser um someone came up to me and just said you know do you know anyone who would be willing to adopt a 12 year old and it just kind of one of those things that felt like okay God you're probably speaking to me here and I mentioned it to Willie and he was like why not let's do it and um and so, yeah, Rowdy was 12 years old when we got in, and that was a whole different experience, you know, like, it, it, which every child, I mean, it's just like people, you know, are worried about, like, oh, your adoption children are different or whatever. Our biological children are different. Like, you have to raise all your kids. Everyone's right. different. But something different in each one of their hearts and minds and souls and um, there are, you know, no guarantees you're going to have one just like yours if you have biological children either you know but each of the story each of their stories are so different and um yeah we but bringing in a 12 year old when we had two other middle schoolers I was like three middle schoolers at once mm-hmm. I'm not sure yeah we survived mm-hmm. all I got to say about that we survived that's like a lot of like school craft projects and uh no I'm not interested in that at all so yes. <laughs> but that's gonna and be my life school- soon Middle school comes with like lots of like hormones and emotions and tears and anger and all of this stuff anyway, but having three of them going through it at the same time. Woo. Yeah. Oh yeah, my goodness. Was- our three, our three youngest, we have an older, um, actually he was also born in 2001, um, an older adopted child that, uh, he, he's out on his own now, but we have three littles and they're all with, they're all less than a year and a half apart. Um, and so I thought that like, I was like, the baby phase has to be the worst. It's the worst. And then, you know, they got to be toddlers. I was like, no, this is the worst. And then now they're preschoolers. I was like, this is the worst. So I, I just think it's not going to get better. (laughs) Well, you'll have a little reprieve. I always said like, once we, I could like say, go brush your teeth and put in your pajamas and everyone could do it at their, by themselves. I was like, all right, we survive. Cause during that phase, the nighttime routine takes like three hours, you know? But I remember having a little reprieve there whenever, like, they become a little more independent. You're like, oh, I got this. And then middle school happens. And you're like, oh, hmm. And then, and then you do it. And then high school is great. Okay. Hey, yeah. you are, you're speaking. This is good. This is good. Encouragement. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, you. You said, like, brush their teeth by themselves. I'm like, oh, tell me more. Uh, oh, yeah. Cause, that yeah. does happen eventually. And it's really a good day. You can sit on the couch. You can. You don't have to move. You can just say, like, just go to bed. Put on your pajamas and bring me a book. And you can just stay on the couch, and they can bring it to you, and you read to them, and then you're like, okay, now go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds Great. magical. Um, 
Okay. So 12 year old, uh, what about that? What was his, I mean, obviously don't, you know, don't go into his backstory and stuff like that, but what was that like just adopting an older kid who had a whole life before you, you know, Uh, it was really different. And also he was an only child before. Oh, wow. Raised by a single dad who passed away. And so he was an only child. So I think of just how difficult that had to have been for him coming in as the youngest of six from being an only child. So there was a lot of adjustment. Like Mm -hmm. he, even just from things of like, he always sat in the front seat. He always chose what to eat. He, you know, where you got six, you got to like take turns and figure all that out. And he, um, you know, he did, he's had a lot of trauma in his life. And so um, that's been a big adjustment um, for him, for us trying to figure out what works for him. And our family is very, um, oh, what's the word? It's not, I don't want to say scattered, but we're not super routine. Like our life, like the way we film the TV show and we travel a lot and we have, you know, our life is not like we get up and go to work at nine and are home at five every day. Right. It's just our life. And um, Rowdy does seem to do a little bit better with more structure. And so, you know, we had to figure out, okay, how do we offer that to him and give that those things that he needs, but then also he's got to fit in with our family life and our family structure as well. Because, you know, everything can't change. Right. For one child, you got six. <laughs> so, oh my so goodness. yeah, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of battles, a lot of um, things to work through. Oh, okay, I can imagine. Did he know who you guys were before you adopted him? Um, yes and no. He had, we um, had met him one time. We did a little meeting. Um, we were actually doing a an event in Texas at a Texas Motor Speedway, like a race car thing. And so we kind of set it up to where he would just come meet our family. Um, Just like a special, because his dad had passed away. He was living with an aunt and uncle and just kind of, oh, let's just have a special time meet and greet kind of thing. So he had met us and, you know, watched an episode or so, but it wasn't like he was a big fan or. Yeah. Which could have been weird, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that would have almost been like, you know, if he was like, well, this is not what I expected. You guys are normal people, <laughs> you know? Right. Now, yeah, you know, there there was some of that. And I think maybe um, I talked to other adopted moms. Like, there are expectations that kids who are older kind of like come in. They're adopted. Oh, it's going to be like Disneyland all the yeah. time. You know, we're going to just. And even for Rebecca, we at 16, which I mean, she didn't have those expectations, but I just remember the first year she was with us, we didn't think, you know, she was staying. So we did, we were like, take her to Disneyland. And like, she does that, you know, everything's great. Like we shouldn't have chores, you know, because she was a guest. Right. And I'm like, oh, she's, she's here. Okay. Now you got to have chores. You got to have, this is life. And so, yeah, I think that I have, you know, talked to some other adoptive moms of, of teenagers and older kids that there are some expectations you have to kind of work through of like, no, this is, is, is just kind of normal life. It's not, everything's not going to feel like Disney world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel that. Um, and that's actually a good transition. to the next thing I wanted to ask you, which is just, what do you think that, what, do, what is the first thing that you notice between your family and like a, you know, quote, normal family? Um, Cause as adoptive parents, especially ones who have biological kids before we adopt, you know, we get used to that sort of neuro- neurotypical, Uh, family life and then everything gets flipped upside down and for uh, a lot of us it happens gradually so we don't really notice those big changes but then we when we look outside of our family at our friends families or whatever we're like oh we're actually a lot different than you guys what are what are some of those differences that you guys noticed 
Um, as far as is what's the difference between kind of having an adopted family where there's a, a lot of, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, well, for us also, because we have a big family, there is differences. Like it's just like going places or anything like that is different because there's a lot of us. Um, so I guess that kind of makes us feel a little bit different, but then also, um, Rowdy is on the autism spectrum and I didn't know anything really about that yeah. and had to do a lot of learning about that. And our kids had to kind of understand that. And, and I think, um, some of those things that maybe challenges that come with, um, an adopted children that your biological children have to figure out, oh, how, you know, dealing with friends at school and they ask questions like, what's going on? Why is he different? Or what is this? Or, or how, how to, you know, talk, you have to talk to your kids a lot about and give them the answers because they're going to be asked those questions. And there's going to be times when they're going to have to kind of like stand up for their brother that they just met, you know, yeah. like just a brand new brother, you know? And um, so I guess that's what I would say would maybe be a little bit different when you have an adopted family than a biological, because there are, you know, when you grow up with somebody, you're used to them. But whenever someone comes into your family, just totally different, you're not used to them and they're not used to you, you know, yeah. and it takes, that takes time. It does. Absolutely. I, you know, that that's something I always say is that adoption, like, yes, it's beautiful, but it comes from brokenness. And like, that's the, that's where we're starting. And so when you're putting something broken back together, it's not just going to like fuse perfectly. And I think a lot of us walking into adoption, we feel that, you know, we we don't realize we're signing up to not just be adoptive parents, but also like high needs parents. You know, you, you're like, oh, there's so many invisible disabilities, you know, things that you can't, you know, always necessarily put in an IEP or something, but they're there. And mm -hmm. that, I, I don't know, I think that that gap, and this is something that I have felt myself and certainly noticed just throughout my years of doing this podcast is that moms, that gap between what they expected and the reality and the lack of ability to explain that well is where so many moms kind of drown. Um, yeah. What has been your experience in that, it in is that a, place? I think it's a really hard thing because it's hard to talk about because you don't want to say, okay, you don't want to, you know, say just how hard it is because you don't want to feel like you're complaining, you know, or anything like that. So it's hard as moms, but so I think it's really important for me, it was to have some really good trusted friends, you know, and I had some good ones that are around the country that have been through adoption, particularly adoption of older children. And you could be like really honest with and say like, this is really hard. And I was crying on my pillow and I don't know what, what I'm doing right now. <laughs> like I'm in over my head. And, and I think um, adoptive moms all hit that and feel that, but it, it is probably hard to talk about. You know, I, I think, that you have in this podcast is so valuable for adoptive moms because, and, and parents, I shouldn't just say moms, because you do need a space to say like, this is beautiful and I'm so thankful and it made our family complete, but it is really hard. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, that's something I've noticed just with adoptive moms is I feel like there's so many resources out there and this is something I've said in my podcast before, but just there's so many resources out there for adoptive parenting, um, mm -hmm. like resources for education and all that stuff. And that's great. But I noticed whenever we stepped into this that I didn't feel like there was any place just for me to be like, hey, this is hard. Am I alone in this? And for other people mm -hmm. to say, no, you're not. Um, right. Which is, you know, what I hope to provide with this is just saying like, hey, there are a lot of people, you know, that are dealing with the stuff you're dealing with and you're not crazy. Um, yes. And this is normal and we can get through this together and, you know, just all of those things. 
Hey guys, I hope you are super duper enjoying my interview with Corey Robertson. And I just wanted to cut in here real quick to give you some info on the next season of the Adoptive Mom Podcast. It's gonna be all about adoption and the Enneagram. And in this season, I will be interviewing past listener favorited guests on how their personality and Enneagram type has influenced their adoption journey. And yes, we will be covering all of the numbers. In addition to these amazing guests, I will also let you guys in on conversations I'm having with Enneagram heroes and influencers and experts who teach us about this personality typing system we all know and love. Like build a list in your head of the biggest names in Enneagram land, and they're probably going to be on the show. To say I'm excited is a major understatement. So while I usually tee up the next season closer to its launch, I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to find your own Enneagram type if you haven't already. The solidarity of learning more about yourself and then getting to talk to other people who think and feel similarly to you is just such an amazing feeling. And I'm excited to be able to add to your Enneagram content list through the lens of adoption in the very near future. Okay, back to my interview with Corey Robertson. Something else I wanted to ask you, which is how how has it been sharing this just on a bigger platform? You know, obviously you had your show, but you do speaking gigs and you've written books and all of these things where you've been able to kind of organically bring up adoption um, just as a family value of yours. What's the response you've gotten? And um, I don't know, how has it influenced you to keep keep talking about it? Yeah, I think it's been great. I've been so thankful that I have had this ability and this platform to do this because it is what has made our family complete. And that, but even beyond that, I just think that it's our job, it's our responsibility to take care of our children. You yeah. know, that is, that is a mandate from Jesus, like take care of the least of these, like let the little children come to me, the wi- widows and the orphans and their distress. And I just feel like as, um, you know, the church community, it, it has to be our first priority and the way to healing a lot of the 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 struggles we have in society is healing the family and taking care of children whenever, you know, they, they do end up as orphans is taking them in and making them a part of a forever family. And, you know, you just look at the statistics of kids who come out of foster care or the foster care system that don't ever get adopted and the statistical rate of like suicide and, ended up in prison, our early pregnancy, our homelessness is so high because everyone needs a family. You know, we just, we need that. That's how we're created. That's how God, that was part of God's plan for our life. And when you don't have that, you know, it, it, it causes a lot of problems. And I just, I, it breaks my heart, you know, hearing stories of kids who are 18 years old and age out of foster care and are on their own because you, you shouldn't be on your own at 18 years old. And so um, I think it's really important that we all talk about it and that we, um, we, um, and, and it's part of how we change things in culture too, is um, by seeing it, you know, you do, you have to see it. And that's important for things in entertainment and things. And um, we realize really the power of entertainment through our show, which just this little show about, quirky little show about our family that, you know, we didn't think was anything that powerful. It was just a show about our family, but we had that prayer at the end and the impact that made for people. So, you know, I pray and hope that the impact of people seeing our family and saying, Oh, they did it. We could do that too, you know, and, and someone that Bible teacher imprinted that on my heart. And so, and it, it 
changed our family forever. So I hope that perhaps someone just seeing it in our family will be like, oh, little light bulb will go off and um, and they'll realize that they can do that too. Yeah. You guys were able to share such amazing values just by just by showcasing them in your everyday life, which I think, you know, as as the internet or in YouTube and podcasts and just all these different mediums of um, of being, you know, entertainment or being able to share, becoming more popular, I think people are are seeing that that is way more influential than someone saying like, hey, you should adopt. Just like, that's it. But like watching <laughs> someone do it uh-huh. um, is so much more powerful. And, uh, and I mean, not just adoption, but like uh, you guys were able to share about Jesus just in little ways that you did things, not in preaching, not in saying, right. you know, hey, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, but just yeah. living your life, which is so cool. Yeah. Our faith influences every part of our life. So you're going to see it, but it's not like we don't have to talk about it. You know, you know you're just going to see it in our life because it's who we are. But um, I remember on Parenthood, remember that show Parenthood? Did yes. you ever watch that? I love that show when they showed the adoption. Um, I love that. You know, it, just showing that implemented into different parts of entertainment and everything, I think it, it is really important and it's very powerful. Yeah. I mean, this is us too. Like, I feel like there's, there's so much more of adoption that we're seeing. And of course, yeah. you know, I love that. I'm yeah. Me I'm all, too. all about it. Me uh, too. <laughs> um, so what are some of the things, the ways that you do outside of your family, the things that you do for the adoption community and, um, the world as a whole when it comes to orphans and kids, uh, what are some of those things that you're doing right now? Well, um, yeah, one of the things, as I mentioned before, you know, just realizing these kids who age out of foster care, I'll never forget, I, um, I was a part of a group um, called Congressional Coalition for Adoption Institute for a little bit while Willie and I were on the board of that. And I remember being in Washington, D.C. and talking to a girl and she was, you know, telling me about that, that she had aged out of foster care. And we had a mentorship program for kids like that that we worked with at the time. And um and it was just one of those things that like, I was like, wait, what? Like, I didn't even know, like, what? And I'm like, I've been around adoption my whole life. Like, I, I know about adoption, but I just, it had never like captured my attention. Like, oh, there's 30,000 kids in America today that age out of foster care with, and never have a forever family. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we, what are we going to do about that? You know? And so um, I started working with a group called America's Kids Belong. And um, their whole goal is to get kids adopted. You know, a lot of the kids are, it's the hardest to place kids. These are kids who are teenagers who have been in and out of foster care their whole life. And um, I think the statistics are like once a child um, turns nine, past the age of nine, you know, it's just so much harder to find a home because teenagers, you know, are are hard. You know, like we talked about special needs at that age. Right, that's right. And so um, one of the things they do is we just kind of, we do videos. So I've done that in the state of Louisiana. I've interviewed lots of kids who are um, adoptable and hoping to find them forever homes and have had some success. It's so amazing to see whenever, you know, a child that has been bouncing around in foster care for a long time gets adopted and, and you know that they're with their forever family. So that's been a, bit, a real blessing to be a part of. Yeah. Though we have, a, we have, um, a company like that or a company, an organization like that in our state called Project Zero. And it's been really cool to see the um, the impact that they've had with their videos similar to that, just getting them out there. Um, yeah. I was, 
I was going to say, we have a family farm and we have like farm animals, petting zoo and all that. You probably saw it sometime on the show. But um, so we do the interviews there and it's so fun. Those kids get to come out there and like they fish. We bring the guys out to help them fish and, you know, play with the farm animals and all that. And one of the questions usually is like, can you describe your best day ever? And a lot of them will say today. And I'm, I'm just like bawling, you know, yeah. it's the sweetest thing just to see these kids get to be outside and play with animals and go fishing and all that. So I've loved getting to be a part of that. That's amazing. And I was going to, what I was going to say is tagging along to what you said, just about having a heart for those kids that age out of foster care. Um, you know, when you think about something like privilege, and I think when we, when we say that a lot of us think of race and ethnicity and cultural privilege, and that's, you know, totally, that's a thing. But I think we forget that, you know, growing up in a two parent household or just having parents or, you know, those those types of things influence privilege as well. And when you're setting someone up without those things, it hinders their ability to become successful adults so much more than we realize because we take we, we have that privilege and we take that for granted so many, so many times. Absolutely. I love how you said that. That is so true. Yeah. Um, OK, girl. Well, are you ready to get into some of these closing questions? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So what do you wish you had known at the very beginning of your adoption journey? Hmm. Well, I think I'll say that I'll, I'll talk about that for adopting Rowdy because he was my last. So for him, I think I wish we would have probably gotten into counseling sooner, a little bit earlier. You know, of course we did all that. We were just, you know, you're just first, you're kind of trying to survive. You're like, what are the immediate things that we have to do? Like, so like, get in school and get caught up here and do, you know, whatever we need. But I think just mentally and emotionally having some more family counseling early on, I think would have been really helpful. I remember at one point going to our counselor and he was like, you know, I almost warned y'all that there's a honeymoon phase and that you're going to hit. But I was like, well, maybe, maybe they'll just stay in the honeymoon phase, but no, everyone hits it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so probably just that early on kind of like starting just right off the bat. And even though, you know, like all the other details have to be done. And so they seem to take precedent. But that mental and emotional health for you and your spouse and your children is really important to take care of. Yeah. In the beginning. My second question is always, what do you wish you had done differently? But that kind of answers my question. Um, just yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you're just, you know, you're so efficient. Um <laughs> So how, what was your favorite way that your tribe supported you through your adoption stories? Well, I will say we have a great big family and I am so thankful for that. I always say that I think even, especially for Rowdy again, because he's my last adopted, I keep going back to the cousins were even more important than me early on, you know, because they kind of like took him, him him under their wing and like even taught him and, taught him like how to be a part of a family and all that because they were his same age. So I think um, if you do have cousins or other family around that can just kind of support and be a part of their life just from the very beginning, I think it's really great. I know not everybody has that. So, um, but then other than that, I was thinking of what I said earlier about just having those moms even that we don't, I didn't see in a regular basis. They all lived all over the country, but they had similar adoptions or then they adopted older children and we just had a group text that we could just be really honest and they could say you're going to get through this and um tomorrow's going to be better you know and so I think that's really important as well yeah the connection with other people is something that just you can't replicate in a you know 
in a manufactured way with social media or with, you know, reading blogs or even a podcast, like that's, you have to have that personal connection. Um, Mm -hmm. Was Rowdy, was Rowdy pre-Gus or post-Gus? I can't remember the timeline. Um, Pre. Pre, okay. (laughs) I didn't know how close they were in age. I was trying to like remember, but I know the lots of kids and births and adoptions. So (laughs) keeping it all straight from just like Instagram is hard. Yeah. Um, okay. So my follow up to that question is always, what did the community, what did your community or your people are just, you know, the people you came in contact with, what did they do that hurt you or um, how are you misunderstood in your, in your journey? Mm-hmm. I think there, um, there has been some misunderstanding and, um, you know, decisions we've had to make changing schools or moving a child because they have, you know, difficulties. And, and sometimes, but this, you know, sometimes I, I want to liken it to any family biological you're going to make decisions that if you're in a community and you're close to your other family members or yeah everybody's going to have opinions on how you raise your kids you know it's yeah. just is. it just is and so I think that um, it's no different for that with an adopted child but it might be they might feel a little bit more um at ease to say it, <laughs> sure. so, um, but I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that different for, it wasn't for me other than, yeah, people are going to have opinions about what you do with yeah. your kids and you raise your kids and you're just going to have to say, thank you, but you don't know everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's the hardest thing to be like, you c- couldn't even like, no one could have explain this to me and I would have gotten it. So there's no way I can explain it to you. And yeah. Yes. Yes. It's tricky. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So my final question is always, if you could just sum it all up into one piece of advice or encouragement to adoptive moms, what would you say? Mm, I would say keep going, just keep moving. You know, I remember a friend during a a particularly tough time saying, um, saying to me something to the effect of like, Think about what a good mom would do and just do that. And then like, so it's kind of like, you might not like feel it right now or just might not think you have natural right now, but just like think about, okay, what would a good mom do in this moment? Okay, I'm going to just do that. And then tomorrow you might feel it. Tomorrow you might feel like a good mom and you might be able to do it. So I think just keep going, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. It does get better and you do walk through, you're going to walk through some hard times, but if you just like keep walking and keep staying in there, don't give up. Um, there's a quote that I love um, from Mother Teresa that says, God hasn't called me to be successful. He called me to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you don't have to f- do all the success. You don't have to figure it all out. You just have to be faithful. You have to like stay in it. You should keep going and um, let God figure everything, all that other stuff out. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I feel like that's a really nice and godly way of saying something that I've always said is like, you know, as adoptive parents, sometimes you do have to fake it until you make it, especially when you're talking about attachment and love. And, you know, like I said before, it's coming from brokenness and you can't just expect that all those like motherly instincts and feelings and love and everything is just going to flood us all at once. And sometimes you do just have to say like, what would a good mom do in this situation? If Mm -hmm. I did feel completely attached to this child, what would I do? And you just do that until it, it is natural. And, And Jesus is always faithful you know, that's to, right. to give you that. So I love the way you said it. It's so much more eloquent right. than me. But. <laughs> no, that's exactly, you, 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 you put it right. That's exactly um, the idea behind that. 
Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, so Corey and I are going to wrap up for the main show here, and then we are going to go have a fun conversation for all of you on Patreon where we can get to know Corey a little bit better. But for now, thank you so much, Corey. Like this was so much fun. I have enjoyed this talk. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.